sometimes, I think we uh, have a hard time admitting when we've done something wrong. Maybe you've uh, uh, tried to hide something outright or uh, you've, you've tried to, to not uh, fess up necessarily because, uh, because you had uh, the fear of, of the punishment that was coming. Uh, if we had time today, I would love to go around and just hear your stories growing up of when you, uh, you got caught doing something and decided maybe you'd try to try to get out of it, right? And, um, and uh, ad- admitting guilt, I think, is, is difficult. Last week, we, we spent some time on the, sub, the, the topic of temptation, and we learned from Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. I told you that, that, uh, that we're all tempted, but we don't have to give in to temptation, right? Uh, but then the question is, well, what if we do? Uh, what, what if we mess up and we know we've messed up? Uh, what happens then? Well, uh, what is the, the road to recovery, the road to redemption, to rise from the ashes and to restore our relationship with God after we sin? Well, there is a way back, uh, and it involves this whole concept of confession. And when you hear that word, confession maybe you your your mind quickly goes to a uh, a catholic church setting where they have a booth specifically for that right and uh, uh you can come in at certain times and and uh, sit there with uh, just you and the priest and you can confess your sin and the priest hears that confession and uh imposes some form of of penance and and uh on behalf of god extends forgiveness I heard about a Nazarene preacher in a small town who had befriended the Catholic priest down the street and, and, uh, they were, they were good friends, uh, for years and it just so happened at some point that the priest was going out of town and was going to miss the designated time to, uh, to hear confession that week. And so, uh, he, he talked to his friend, the Nazarene pastor down the street and, and, uh, said, well, I mean, could you just sit in for me? You could, you could just, just sit in there in the, in the booth. You can do that. And the, the, the pastor there, the Nazarene pastor said, well, I, I have no idea what to, what to do or how that works. It's always simple. It's simple. They're going to come in. Somebody's going to sit down. They're going to say, Father, I've sinned three times this week. And then you're going to say, uh, put a dollar in the offering plate, go your way and sin no more. It's just that easy. You just, that's just what you have to do. They're going to come in. You just, uh, that's just how it works. And so the, the Nazarene preacher figured that, uh, that he could handle that. And so the next week, the priest uh, went on his trip, and the, and the preacher nervously took his place in the booth. And, and sure enough, the first person comes in and, and, and said, Father, I've sinned three times this week. And the preacher said, oh, I know what to do here. He, he said, uh, uh, put a dollar in the offering plate, go your way, and sin no more. And that's what happened. And uh, several more times it happened. And uh, just like that, uh, Father, sin three times. Uh, put a dollar in the offering plate. Go your way and sin no more. And then someone came in and sat down and said, Father, I've sinned two times this week. And the preacher was like, oh, I don't, what, I, I'm not. And he finally said, go your way and sin once more. There's a special this week, three for a dollar. Not quite how it works, is it? That's not, uh, not quite the, uh, the, the thing. But I, I do believe, however, that confession is indeed good for the soul. We, we don't have to uh, necessarily confess to a person or to a, a priest in order to be forgiven, but confessing our faults, our, our shortcomings, our sins to each other and to God uh, is, is taught throughout Scripture, right? Uh, one discipline that should be practiced regularly in our life with God is this, uh, this discipline of confessing our sins. One of, the, one of the great pictures uh, in the Bible of true confession is given to us by Jesus as he told the parable of 
the prodigal son. It's in Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. Let's, uh, let's read it together today. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. It, it says, a, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have, enough, uh, have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as your hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His, father, his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has, has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began, and we'll, we'll stop right there for today. It's a familiar story. Uh, there's there's a, a, a decent chance you've, you've heard it before. The, the kid disrespects his dad, uh, sows his wild oats, regrets it, comes home groveling, and his dad shows love and grace. Good story, right? Classic story. But it's not just a classic story. It's not just a 2,000-year-old story. It's not just a Bible story. This story is also our story. Probably, maybe you haven't disowned your parents and run away and wasted all their money. Maybe you have, and, and, uh, but, but I would guess uh, maybe you haven't. This story, though, illustrates the devastating effects of sin the importance of confession and repentance, and the wonders of grace and forgiveness. This whole concept of sin, though, uh, I, I think we get tripped up on that maybe uh, in, in, this, uh, in, the, in the world today, uh, this, this world where anything goes and, and uh, it's kind of a strange concept that, that I can't just do whatever I want to do. Uh, the, the word sin in Scripture simply means missing the mark. Uh, it's it's kind of like uh, like you're seeing up there darts uh, on a dartboard or not on a dartboard. Uh, we've missed the mark. The the arrows, the darts haven't hit the target. Uh, the concept of sin assumes then that there is a mark to be hit, a standard, a standard established by God, and we've missed that mark, that standard. We haven't hit. The standard. And, and so in missing the mark, we've separated ourselves then uh, from, from our Heavenly Father. So I guess, I guess if you don't believe that there's a God, or if you don't believe that He has authority to establish guidelines to follow, then, then you're not too concerned about sin. Uh, but, but, but if you believe that there is a relationship with God the Father to be enjoyed, then sin is the selfish behavior that breaks that relationship. I've noticed uh, uh, in our social media saturated culture, uh, we don't do confession very well, I don't think. 
We tend to put our best foot forward, our best face forward, our most edited, curated posts are the ones that get put up, and then we call that being authentic, right? We're going to be our authentic selves. I only took 26 pictures and uh, put a couple of filters on it, and then I put it up as my authentic self, right? And, and so, because we want to look good, uh, man, there's no room in that for confession, because that would be admitting that maybe we haven't hit the mark. We, we instead, we make excuses for ourselves if things don't quite, don't quite go right, or we don't act appropriately, or, or whatever, we, and, and we, we kind of skip over those things. But, but then if we see or find out about uh, other people that, that have missed the mark, there's not a whole lot of slack that we give to, uh, to, to other people's faults. And I, I guess what I'm saying is we are quick to judge and we are slow to confess. We are quick to judge and we are slow to confess. And I wish that was just in culture, in the world, in social media land but I'm not sure that church culture is much better. Many times we're also quick to judge and slow to confess. I, I, we, we're part of a, a, a holiness church too, right? We're, we're, uh, uh, but we, so we have the expectation of, of holy living, of, of, of living a holy life, that God empowers us uh, uh, to, to live a holy life. And, and so we put our best foot forward, our best face forward, and that could also look like hiding where we miss the mark because the expectation is that we've got it all together, right? And so we're living the holy... Sure, pastor, I'm, I'm uh, living an abundant life. Just don't look too close because I'm really struggling here and here and here and I'll never show you this. In the middle of, of those contexts, both in the church and out of the church, we have the we have the story of the prodigal son. It's a, it's a story where, I don't know, I think we tend to put other people's faces on the prodigal son, right? And we celebrate. If, if they get their heads on straight and turn around and come home, and that's great, and, and we're, we're uh, happy about that, and we should be. But I, I guess as we, as we walk through this familiar story today, I, I, I want us to consider that maybe we are all the prodigal at times. Failing to own up to where we may be missing the mark, where we're, we make excuses, where we ignore sin, and where we distance ourselves from our Heavenly Father. So maybe, maybe you need to consider that you might actually have something to confess. Maybe I have something to confess, that, that this sermon isn't just for someone else, but it might be for each of us. Personally, and so I, I guess I just want us to be as it's so. Man, we we walk in, and some of these things just seem so familiar. Oh, he's preaching on the prodigal son uh, today. I've heard that. Uh, check that off. I can kind of zone out. Uh, I, I guess the challenge is for me, uh, and maybe for all of us today. I, I just want us to be open to the whisper of the Holy Spirit across our souls today. That it might just be for us, <laughs> because uh, confession is an important thing that maybe we don't always do. Confession begins with examination, and I think maybe we, we don't even get started because we just don't want to go there, right? We just don't want to even step into that. The prodigal son had, had really gotten himself uh, into some stuff, right? I mean, he, he had asked his dad for part of the inheritance, which was quite an insult. Basically, this kid is telling his father, I want your money more than I want a relationship with you. 
kind of wish you were dead because then I'd have all this money. And, uh, and, and I mean, it's pretty harsh, pretty harsh stuff. And, and so then he, he gets the money and uh, runs away and, and uh, from everything familiar and he goes and spends the money on what uh, scripture describes as wild living. This, this is the only place in scripture that that uh, Greek term is used uh, and it's described as, uh, I, I guess we could summarize it as an extravagantly wasteful lifestyle. And uh, there's some indication of what all that entails, uh, and we can dream up the rest, but uh, he's just wasting this money uh, hand over fist. The money didn't last forever, and he spent the last dollar about the same time that a famine hit, and the only job he could get was in a pig pen, and it was then that he finally stopped long enough to examine his behavior. Up until then, it was all about him and having fun and going and doing what he wanted to do, and there wasn't any room for examination of his soul, for heaven's sakes. But when he's lost it all and he's hit rock bottom, then he realizes that something needs to change. And I think it's just too bad that it took him so long. And, and yet we do that, don't we? we? We wait to deal with sin until it's, uh, it's pretty messy and uh, pretty hard to get it all untangled. Uh, but the longer, the longer sin stays in our lives, the harder it is to get rid of. It, it, it gets rooted in deep. I, I remember uh, at, uh, man, more than one house where we've lived, where, where we were redoing the landscaping and, and stuff. And so we were, uh, we, meaning me, uh, pulling out, digging out uh, 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 shrubs and, and uh, uh, bushes. I kind of enjoy getting my hands dirty sometimes. And, and uh, we just, uh, just dig down. I mean, it's, it's rough if you've ever done that. Maybe Maybe you were smart, like uh, like I've known some people, and you just get a chain and a truck, and you just drive until uh, until it just comes out, right? But uh, uh, I mean, uh, multiple shovels and an axe and some pry bars, and man, a lot of sweat. Maybe even uh, maybe even a little yelling was involved, right? And uh, uh, the longer that that bush had been planted there, the harder it was to get out. And I'm not saying that that bush was a sin incarnate, but I felt like it by the end of the day, right? But, um, but sin has a way of sending its roots down deep in our lives. And the longer that it's there, the longer we don't deal with it, the harder it is to dig out. To be honest, the, the longer it's there, the, the longer it takes to even recognize that it's a problem. That's oh, not that big a deal. I've always been involved with that. We, we, get, we tend to get used to it. Henry Blackaby once wrote, the tragedy is that many of God's people can know they are living their lives the same as the world around them without it disturbing them. But, but regular times of examination, of, of thinking, evaluating, allowing God to access your life can, can help to root out those, those sinful habits. You don't have to wait to hit rock bottom like the, the prodigal son did. We need to spend time regularly walking through our souls with God. Maybe that's a great uh, word picture for us, that, that, that we're allowing him access to each and every corner of every part of our lives regularly. And, and God, is there anything that you want to, is there anything that, that needs to be rooted out? Ask him to reveal himself and, and, uh, and anything that doesn't belong in our lives. It, don't wait for the pig pen. <laughs> Examine yourself regularly. I, that's the, 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 the first step in, in confession is recognizing that, that something even has to happen. And then included in that, I think, as we're open to that, we, we, there, we have to be honest 
about, uh, about what's going on. The prodigal son was, was finally honest about what he had done. He knew he needed to own up to, to uh, the, the, the failings, that, the, the things that he'd done, uh, the, the hurts that he had caused. He didn't make any excuses. He didn't blame anyone or anything. He didn't try to say, well, if that blasted famine hadn't come, I'd still be squeaking by. Or he, he didn't blame the people. Uh, they wasted all my money, and, and it's their fault. And, and, and it's easy to make excuses. It's hard to admit wrongdoing and to own up to our behavior. But, but when, we, when we sin, if we're going to restore the relationship uh, with, our, with our Heavenly Father, we have to be honest and we have to own up to our failures. John Ortberg uh, once wrote, Confession means saying that somewhere in the mix was a choice. The choice was made by us and it does not need to be excused, explained, or even understood. The choice needs to be forgiven. We, we need to, like the prodigal son, simply come to our senses and realize that our life will never be what it was meant to be apart from the Father. We have to be honest. And then included in that is a sorrow for the sin that has been committed. A whole lot of times we confess only, only when we've been caught, Right? Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I, I think maybe one of the things that kept me on the uh, relatively on the straight and narrow growing up wasn't necessarily a deep desire to do the right thing. I was just afraid of getting caught and what those consequences might be. I, I mean, being afraid that Jesus or, or your parent or whoever, uh, somebody that somebody is watching, that, and you know that there's punishment that's going to be involved for that behavior, that might be effective in keeping you from doing wrong for a while, but it won't usually translate, doesn't always translate into a heart that has a deep desire for God. We have to have the want to, right? Deep down inside ourselves. It's not just external uh, pressures forcing us to be good, but we have to have that desire, uh, that, that sorrow for sin. I, I love the old joke, how many counselors does it take to change a light bulb? One, but the light bulb has to want to change. Ah, uh, yeah. I liked it better than you did, I guess. But uh, anyway, um, we can't legislate morality. We can't force people to be good just because we have the rules and, and the punishments in place. Uh, you know, those things are, are important and, and, uh, and we need, but, but it's not, it, it, those aren't going to force us to change on the inside. Real confession comes from a sorrow in our hearts that we've acted wrongly and we want to change. We want to restore that relationship. True confession involves a deep sorrow for sin. James chapter 4, uh, verses 8 through 10 describe that. He says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. If and when you realize that there's, there's sin in your life, you should grieve over it, James tells us. There isn't any room for, for justifying behavior, explaining it away. Well, if, if this had happened, or, or if this person had, or, or I can't be held responsible for, I mean, it's the, it's the image uh, of that prodigal son on the road back home, falling at the feet of his father, burying his, his uh face in the folds of his father's robe, begging for forgiveness because he's so sorry for what he's done. 
so deeply desiring to never do that again. And that's really the fourth part, I think, of, of uh, confession is a promise not to repeat the offense. I mean, the prodigal did this in the very act of coming home. He didn't think there was, there was any way he was ever going to be restored to, to uh, uh, as his father's son again, but maybe he'd get servant status in the household. He was resolutely determined not to uh, do what he had done before. I don't know if in your house, when uh, if if uh, your kids, uh, you know, if they mess up, maybe uh, I remember, uh, you know, making sure our kids said sorry to each other, right? If they messed up, say you're sorry, say you're sorry. How how did that turn out, Pastor? Well, not too great, really. Um, uh, you can usually tell if it's sincere. And uh, a lot of times it's not sincere, right? You can tell just by uh, uh, the, the barely audible sorry and the, you know, and the grouchy and the, you know, you just, uh, true confession is more than being forced to say you're sorry. I mean, you might confess with your words, but it's not this deep sorrow uh, and this desire not to repeat it. True confession is being so sorry you desperately avoid ever doing it again, want to avoid doing it again. You, you remember the pain that you caused and with the help of God, you'll, you'll avoid that in the future. Also involved in confession is, is a, the concept of restitution. People know how sorry we are by the extent to which we go to make things right. The prodigal son was willing to work off his sin as a slave. Uh, when, when you truly own your sin, you want to do whatever it takes to make it right again. There, there was once a, a machinist at the Ford Motor Company in Detroit who, who, who became a Christian. And uh, he, he, had, he had responded to the invitation at church and, and he was baptized and, and immediately he sensed the Holy Spirit convicting him of some things that, that he needed to make right, including making restitution for some of the, the parts and tools that, that he had, that had quietly kind of made its way into his pockets and into his... Uh, in, uh, he had taken things from the company, uh, tools and parts over the years. So the next morning, uh, uh, he felt this conviction, and the next morning he, uh, he brought those tools and parts back, and he explained uh, to his boss how he had uh, been baptized and, and had asked for, uh, for forgiveness from God, but he also needed to ask forgiveness from his, from his foreman and, and told him that he had taken these things, and here they were. And making restitution. And it was, it was such an amazing turn of events that the foreman told his boss and, uh, and, and that guy related to his boss and, and that guy cabled, sent a cable to uh, Mr. Ford himself who was in, in Europe at a plant in Europe at the time. And, and uh, the, the story goes that Mr. Ford is said to have immediately returned a telegram with this message. Damn up the Detroit River and baptize the entire city, he said. True confession involves restitution. And I guess my definition of that is doing whatever it takes to make things right again. Examination, honesty, sorrow for sin, promising not to repeat it, restitution. I mean, this stuff is... Confession is not for the faint of heart. It's probably why we tend to skip over this and avoid it and just kind of put up walls and and, uh, just kind of hide things because it's hard to walk through this process. The main character quality we need in order to be doing all of these things is humility, right? I messed up. I don't have it all together. Others might judge me. I'll have to face consequences for this. As, As one author put it, confession is good for the soul but bad for the reputation. But, but through it all, the result 
of confession is restoring our relationship with God, and that's worth anything that we would have to go through in the process. The prodigal son, it says in, in Scripture here, that he finally came to his senses. He, he knew he had no choice but to throw himself on the mercy of his father. He, he didn't know what the response was going to be. He was hoping that, uh, that, that um, uh, the, his father would at least accept him as a, as, as a servant. He, he could have been rejected outright. Or technically, according to the law at the time, a rebellious child could be stoned for their rebellion. The most that this guy dared hope for was to be kept on as the hired help. But you and I, in our vantage point today, have an advantage over the prodigal son. He didn't know what his father would say when he came and threw himself on the mercy of his father, but, but we do. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We know that what our Father's response will be when we confess. He's already promised to forgive us. He's, he's promised to cleanse us, to make us new again. We don't have to wonder and hope, oh, is God going to forgive me uh, for this? As we walk through that process of confession and repentance, we know what God's response will be. God desires more than anything to restore that relationship and, and to, uh, to, to accept us back and to forgive. It's, it's not just a, a flippant forgiveness, however. It's all because of Jesus. I want you to hear the heart of, of your father today. Uh, as, as I continue to read in that passage in 1 John, uh, uh, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess uh, he's faithful to just to forgive us and to purify us from all unrighteousness, uh, then chapter 2, verse 1 says this, and I want you, to, want you to hear the heart of your father this morning. It says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The heart of the Father for you today is don't sin. Oh, you can avoid so much if you don't sin. Don't do it. Don't sin. Don't give in to temptation. You can do that. That's last week. Uh, we, We talked about don't give in, but if you do, Jesus. If you do, there's Jesus. 